0: Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now let's get started.
1: Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Welcome to Season 7. This season, we've had the treat of interviewing worship leaders, speakers, and a pastor's family. This week, we will be talking about local and global missions. The first part of this segment, you will get to hear from my friends, Josh and Shay Gardner. Josh and Shay are a part of the Clayton King Ministries family and are live in the studio with me to talk about local missions. We will also be talking about international missions from my friends, Kevin Myers and his daughter, Kendall, who are with Compassion International. Kevin developed a heart for missions as an adult, and he took his daughter, Kendall, on her first international trip at the age of five years old. They have some amazing stories to share, but first, let's get started with Josh and Shay. Um, You guys have such a heart to reach people. Locally and globally for Jesus. Um, I know that you can't be overseas right now, but you're just like, man, if I can't be overseas, we're gonna do it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so will you just describe a little bit about what you guys are doing locally in our own um city of Anderson?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shay, you go first.
1: What are we doing? That is such a
3: loaded question. <laughs> um Well, it was about two years ago, and this is more of Josh's part of the story, but Josh started walking in different areas of Anderson that the Lord would lead him to, and just started asking the Lord to show us where he wanted to move, where he was moving and where he wanted us to join him in where he was moving. Mm -hmm. And that led Josh to some places that we're currently ministering in, um, mostly Section 8 housing and low-income areas Mm -hmm. of the city, which was unexpected for us, but has been a real blessing. Um, So why don't you, Josh, just talk about how the Lord led you there? Yeah, I
2: feel like um, you know, overseas, there's always a lot going on, right? There's always uh, so many people to care for, so many people haven't heard the gospel, and um, some of the feedback I've been getting from missionary friends from around the world was, "Send us people over here that are doing it where they are," Mm. and by doing it where they are, um, they what you know, obviously they mean loving your neighbor and caring for them and sharing for them. And as I've, you know, finally kind of saw that perspective of my life, I realized that asking people to do that, people that go to church every Sunday, asking them to engage their neighbors, their community, was actually a big ask. You know, Mm -hmm. people have not really grown accustomed to just knowing people and Mm -hmm. knowing people that aren't in the same circles as them. And uh, I feel like as I read Luke and, you know, really— Here's Jesus giving his first sermon, almost getting Mm -hmm. thrown off a cliff. Mm -hmm. And basically almost as if he said, hey, watch this. I'm about to heal and proclaim to everybody. And starting even with the poor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Luke 3 through 10, here's Jesus. He's going. He's with his disciples. He's engaging um, cities, villages, towns, and he's loving them. He's caring for them. And, And also... This radical message of the kingdom, and so I know you're studying mm-hmm. right now, Shari, and it's there's this perspective that we really need to break of salvation being the end of the line, and also that the kingdom of heaven is just heaven. It's not. It's also this this part where we bring the way God wants heaven. Well, the way heaven is all the time, bringing it here mm-hmm. and saying, "Man, there shouldn't be gaps of town that." don't experience the love of God and don't know Christian community. We need to find these gaps and go to them. And so it was yeah. a little
3: confusing at first because in Anderson, honestly, you drive the streets and there's churches on every corner yeah. almost. And so you think, in my mind, I just thought everyone has already heard. Been reached
1: or but talked then, to.
3: Yeah, but then when you walk into these communities and you actually start asking people what they know of Jesus, if they know him, if they know who he is, a lot of people don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, interestingly enough, in one of the places where we go, there's a church on the property. Mm -hmm. And so it was shocking to us to find the great amount of lostness in a city that seems so saturated. Mm -hmm. And so I think in my mind, lostness is in the middle of India Mm -hmm. or...
1: In the Middle East, yeah, or at people where another religion is being preached, and so you right. assume that in this Christian, Christian nation culture. of America, yes. that everyone really understands. But I think a lot of people just think Jesus, baby in a manger, yes. cross, and don't really understand what all the of that has to do with their lives. Totally, yeah, it's very cultural.
2: And I think obviously it's a great joy. We've seen people come to Christ. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we've seen hundreds of people hear the gospel. We've seen people being baptized and you know, really exciting to see people brought into community really for the first time in their life to have access to people that love them, that don't need something from them. Mm-hmm. That don't, um, you know, aren't asking anything for, for them. And I think that part is also the challenge, yeah. <laughs> you know, now, you know, it's before my life is mine at past 430. And now my life is not mine <laughs> or my, you know, when it goes into my schedule and my comfort and you end up saying no to things I wish I could say yes to a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like soccer games of friends and uh, ice cream with buddies, and you know, watching football all day Sunday stuff. I used to really spend my time doing, where now it's changed. It's mm-hmm. it's a that's that had to go to make room for people in my life that don't belong in my circle. Mm-hmm. Now Na- that wouldn't be in my circle naturally. We're going and getting them and bringing. Us to them and Mm -hmm. and it's so hard here too because we also face racial challenges Mm -hmm. socio-economic challenges and then um, and what part of what needs to be broken is this perspective of these are people we do ministry to rather than these are people I want to learn from also Mm -hmm. and do ministry with them what what do they want to do what what do they want to cover you Mm. know when we read the Bible how long do they want to meet for yeah. What do they want to eat? <laughs> you
1: know? Well, that's interesting because when you look at Jesus and the, when you hear all of the stories that the disciples told, obviously they weren't perfect. But if you look even below the surface, mm. um, Jesus is interacting with people who are not Jewish, um, you know, mm. who don't necessarily aren't within the Jewish religion. Mm. He interacts with them, and and the disciples learn when they go out about people who are not part of their culture, and I'm sure they felt out of place and and so but they learned about themselves they learned about why they were uncomfortable like the story of the good good samaritan when jesus tells that to the jews he's saying look Mm. this good samaritan helps someone who is his enemy are you doing that Mm. you know Mm. or um going to the woman at the well and jesus talks to her and then she goes back to her village and all these people end up wanting to meet jesus the disciples i'm sure watched that and thought oh my gosh, like a Samaritan woman is bringing people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that they were learning things about themselves that they wouldn't have learned if they had stayed in their own circle. And so I think that's kind of what we're talking about today is if Jesus were in this typical American town, what would he be doing? He would be Doing what exactly what he did with the mm. disciples, taking yeah. them places and teaching them. Not just it's not about other, the the other culture, although they're learning that, but they're learning where they're broken, hmm. you know, and where they're not really, I think, sharing the gospel. But, um, Josh, you mentioned this. I'm in I'm in seminary now, and I've been reading this book. Um, one of the authors is um, Dallas Willard. But um, in this book, it's called The Kingdom Life, and it's a group of church um, ministry leaders, basically, who got together and just kind mm-hmm. of said, what is broken in America with the church? Mm-hmm. Like, why is the gospel falling short? Mm-hmm. And so they talked a lot about the fact that co- the common denominator, I think, is that we have a, um, a conversion-centered gospel, which basically means that we are saving people and <laughs> Because we're scared of them going to hell. Yeah, Yeah. we're scared of them going to hell. And Mm -hmm. so we just think they need to be saved, but we're not teaching them to become disciples, which is actually what Jesus was asking people Mm. to do. Mm -hmm. Lay down your life and follow me, not Mm. are you scared of hell? Believe in me, you know? And so I love, there's a couple of questions in this book, and this is transitional for me, but I love that it says um, that when we think about um, bringing people to faith, One of the things, the the question that we've been asking is, if you were going to die tonight, would you go to heaven? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if you were going to die tonight and you weren't going to heaven, aren't you going to trust Jesus because you're scared of hell, right? So anybody's going to kind of be converted in that way. Not anybody, but a lot more people. But they don't understand that this is a life commitment of, it's a commitment of life change. It's a commitment of carrying your cross and, and laying your life down. Um, But they say the better Mm. question in this book is, if you knew you were going to live forever, ever, what kind of person would you become? Mm. And that's really what... Oh, that is good. Right? Mm. Yeah. That's really Mm. what belief is about. It's about becoming someone new.
4: Mm. Um,
1: So I love that it says, most people see themselves as Christians at the point of conversion, but the call to to be a disciple... For many, as a second option. Mm. It's reserved for the more serious Christian and notably absent from the Christian-centered gospel appeal. And then he, they basically go on and just talk about how um, that Jesus was calling people to discipleship. He mm-hmm. wasn't just calling them to escape hell. Mm. And so what does discipleship mean? What does... Um, conversion mean? It basically means we're laying our life down and trading it in for the one that God originally designed us to have. Mm -hmm. The one we are originally created Mm -hmm. to be before Mm -hmm. sin came into the world. When Adam and Eve were perfect in fellowship with God, we're all on a journey to go back to Mm -hmm. that place. Mm -hmm. And so when we're reaching out to people, we're not saying, do you want to escape hell? That's not really the question. It should not be the question. The question should be Do you want fulfillment in your life in a way that this world, nothing in this world can give you? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be who God originally created you to be? Mm Because I can tell you that Jesus can help you become Mm -hmm. that. And so I think that um, that's what I believe that we should be inviting people into. And when we we do that, they have a, a, a more robust perspective of what they're entering into, mm. you know? And so um, I just want to ask you guys, like in your own words, how, what would you describe being a disciple is and like the old life and the new life? When you guys talk to these people, what are some questions that you ask maybe when you're doing this outreach?
3: Well, it's funny because now that you say that, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And so I went yeah, through so much <laughs> like evangelical training. Like I was five and mm-hmm. could go through... Ee, which was like, if you were to die tonight, uh-huh. stand before God, and He would say, "Why should I let you in my heaven?" What would you say? I mean, I was five and knew like, which all is of the kind scripture. of fear-oriented. If you stand in front of God, <laughs> that's scary. If you don't know Him, anyway, right? So, but that was my like perspective. Mm-hmm. And what's funny now is, you know, we just use tools that we've picked up along the way. One of them being the three circles. But what's interesting about that tool is that. And I just am putting that together as we're talking, but there's no necessarily like mention of hell or like fear driven, but it focuses on the perfect life that God intended us to have where we actually are and where Jesus wants us to be. Mm. And so when we're sharing with people, we're able to say it's not even really about eternity. It is, but it's about eternity and the here and now. Mm -hmm. And so we're inviting them into a life where Jesus can heal their brokenness, mm-hmm. that his blood has paid for the sin that they condemn themselves over every day. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a beautiful way to be able to start that discipleship. So that's, that tool is one of the first things that we share with people when we're out in the community to gauge where they are, where they want to be,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and to introduce them to the fullness of Jesus not just the one that they've always feared.
1: Right. Well, and that's a mo- that's a biblical version of eternity because eternity be- begins in our hearts when we receive Jesus mm-hmm. and start a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That eternity begins. Right. But I think a lot begun. of us think of yes, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think a lot of us think of death and going to heaven and um milk um, streets of gold and yes. What is the milk Analogy: uh, Rivers of milk or something uh, flow. Rivers of milk and honey. honey. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so we think of that, and so we think when I get to heaven. Mm. But heaven should have begun when we met Jesus, and our eternity, like the our souls, have already started that transformation process. Mm. Yes. Yes, and I think that's where we miss sometimes.
2: And. Man, there's so many, there's just layers to this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of those layers being what was, I would say, what ha- what happened in the American church was partly that our obedience to Jesus started having a so that, where people started going out and they wanted numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wanted to say this much happened. Mm-hmm. And what happened was a a, a assembly line type experience that is really great i mean that entry level pray to receive christ i still believe in it Mm -hmm. i but what happens next what is that next part you know in in terms of people need to be walked with that what we're talking about can't be fit in in 30 seconds three minutes you know this part where oh by the way Mm -hmm. your whole life belongs to jesus now Mm -hmm. everything you loved is now surrendered everything you desire you know this life is now his And I think for at least for us, one of the greatest thing that is happening is in us, Mm -hmm. you know, in the idea of why am I why do I go out and do this? Mm -hmm. Do I go out and do this because I'm afraid of God (laughs) or do I go out and do this because Jesus has wrecked my life in a in this amazing way where I'm brand new Mm -hmm. and now I do what he says, partly because he said it, (laughs) you know, that's there when I don't feel like it, but partly because I love God and I want my family to love God. I want my children to love God. Mm-hmm. I love them. I mean, yesterday I'm walking around the block with my kids, and they say, "Are we having church?" Mm-hmm. They don't know the difference, you know, when we're That's walking awesome. around, and and I just said, "Yeah, we are. This so is what you, we're doing."
1: <laughs> so you guys, though, in a really practical way, because we haven't said really what you do. Mm-hmm. but sure. You leave your home um, yes. for months. You did prayer walks around different neighborhoods. Yes. Um, before you even started, really into. Mm-hmm specific conversations yes. with people. Not that you wouldn't have conversations with people as you walked cuz they were wondering why is this white guy in our neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <that's> exactly. <laughs> um, right. right? Truth. <laughs> um, but then after that, it was meeting people and saying, "Can I pray for you?" And yes. if they said no, you're like, "Why not? I doesn't everyone have yes. a need, you know?" And so that was kind of the second tier, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not I'm not trying to create a plan, yeah. but I'm trying to just pra- paint a picture of what y'all have done. So from that moment of of praying and meeting people what happened from there
2: yeah and i think um, that is exactly it I, you know we believe that caring for people and and praying for people invites the holy spirit into what's happening and praying ahead of time is just smart i mean it's how i was trained and disciple because we really i was i was walking to work yesterday and i honestly teared up just thinking jesus is walking with me to work and that everywhere i like look I can pray and he mm-hmm. could respond to me. And it's just this reality that we need to tap into. And and literally it was because I drove on the way to the CDH house, you know, and I would pass that place and I would see people and I, I would see drug deals go down. And I thought to myself, Jesus would surely be in this place. Mm. You know, he would go there and he would hang out with people that would um, not make any sense. <laughs> and <laughs> you why know, would he, he do that? And I think he broken. would do that because, mm. yeah, he said healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick mm. people do. And I just thought this, this seems like a place where a lot is going on. And, and, and really, the very first youth pastor, because of Clayton King Ministries, I knew youth pastors and who'd want to hang out with me. And I'd say, come hang out with me there, and I can show you about being a youth pastor. <laughs> and um, it's stuff I wish I would have done more as a youth pastor. And the first guys we went to were all, I, we didn't know it at the time, but it was the biggest drug house there. We had no idea. Um, a guy had a gunshot wound. That first guy we talked to offered to pray for her. Um, and, and literally <laughs> like just, you know, hearing the gospel and they were asking questions and we started seeing, you know, really a, a incredible openness. And so lead with prayer and, and tell them that you care for them. Tell them mm-hmm. your story. I mean, I would just sneak it in really fast. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say, I would never be here. Jesus didn't do something in my life.
4: Mm-hmm. Can I,
2: he can listen to you. He, mm-hmm. he can, he can answer you. Is there anything we can pray for? And now they feel cared for. They they are prayed for maybe for the first time in forever. And and then I just tell them the truth about the gospel. I say, man, God hears us because of his son. Mm-hmm. And I just would share with them and say, what do you think about this? You mm-hmm. know, And if they were unsure, we'd come back. <laughs> you know, if, right. if they were would receive him, let's receive him. But immediately, and this goes into what we were just saying, people need to receive Jesus, but they also need to receive his mission mm-hmm. and they have to receive his rule. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, that's a, that's a, I'll walk with you. Mm-hmm. I'll show you come be with me, mm-hmm. you know, and
1: which and, is what Jesus did.
2: Yeah. And, and he, listen, you know, this and is Jesus, hard. I and mean, it's not easy. It is so hard. But I think it's, it's layers of, and I think the other thing we have to be okay with, especially in a church context is, is a filter. Because Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And then people would say yes to that. They would go out and, I mean, people went out to the desert and didn't even eat or drink anything to go hear Jesus. And even once he got them out there, he would say, by the way, this is what following me cost you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it would scatter. And he was okay with it. He was okay with it not being for everybody. And, you know, people would make excuses. People would say, I got to go do this first. And he would say, go do that. He wouldn't. He wouldn't call out again.
1: He's not tricking them into it. He's waiting for their heart to mm -hmm, be ready. Yeah, and he didn't Mm -hmm. do
2: and I think this is what I really love. He didn't do he didn't send them out to do anything that he where where he wasn't himself going. Mm -hmm. He he was doing it and it and we've lost a little bit in um and I love that your the book, the Kingdom Life book that everyone should buy. It gives a, a, a parallel of eastern mindset to western mindset and we've chalked up this thing where we can read it, agree to it. And it not necessarily mean we do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Where in the Eastern world, listening to God was doing; it, mm-hmm. listening was obeying. And so He was asking for them to listen. Why do you have ears and you don't hear what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Which is James. You know? <laughs>
1: James, you can't have faith without works. Is dead. Yeah. And, and, yes. Yeah.
2: And I, I think that. Um, so, on a more practical
1: yeah. level, what we do mm-hmm. is,
3: you know, we go, we see where Jesus is working, who he's working in, who responds to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then from there, like what Josh said, we teach them who they are to Jesus, their Mm -hmm. identity. They're now ambassadors for Christ. Luke 10. Mm -hmm. Right. So now we're going to obey the things Jesus says to do. Mm -hmm. So what does he say to do? So then we crack open the New Testament. We talk about Jesus says you need to be baptized. This is how we pray. This is how we tithe. This is how we take communion. This is how we love each other. This is how we worship. And literally week by week disciple them through what it means to follow Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're establishing a belief system. Yes. But then also you're living it with them. So I know that you had uh you were telling me about a girl who works for you and mm-hmm. how you told her, Look, right now I'm discipling you and there's nothing you could say that would influence my business decisions. So I'm here for you with that. But then you right. also have to be her employer, which is hard. Right. You know, I mean right. Jesus had that with Judas. He knew he was stealing from him. But he's yes. still discipling the guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other I'm thing not saying too. this girl was stealing yeah, no, no, from no, you. No, no. no, <laughs> no that, that wasn't thing. it at all. No, no, no,
3: no. But that's the thing, too, is that, you know, we step in here and we're like, you know, we want to disciple you. We want you to live a life for Jesus. But then there are very real needs in these areas, too. Mm. And so discipleship for us is like twofold it's this is how Jesus says we should live. And then also, these are some good ways to live. Like, this is how you should. Parent your children. This is how you should handle your finances. This is how, and a lot of them needed work. And so we started a business to help, Mm. to help them work, to help them have finances, to take care of their families. And so I feel like for us, we're trying this holistic approach of loving them through a Christ-centered way, but also helping them. Loving
1: them on not just a spiritual level. I think, right. I don't mean this as a negative slam toward the church at all, but- you have churches now that are f- totally, I think, focused because you have to find out what your vision is, but focused on feeding people spiritually, but the whole person is made up of so many other things, mm-hmm. yes. you know? So the things that you're talking about, we need to be doing as well as a, I'm talking about the church building churches, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about the individual people. Yeah. We're all part of the church. Right. But I think we, you're right. We need to minister to emotional needs. Um, we need yes. to teach them how to do finances. We need to teach them how to just do practical things that right. they don't know. Um, you know, even physical like nutrition and things like that are all very important for the whole being and the whole person of all of us. Yeah, yeah. which would o- which only recu- a c- mm, which only happens when we're inter- integrated into someone's life rather than um, preaching and standing aside. Yes, yeah. and that's I think the that's that's the discipleship. Thing. That's that
2: like dolphin discipleship, right? Mm -hmm. I was watching a documentary yesterday, dolphins, when they're teaching their young, they're swimming right next to them. Mm. And so there's just so much power and proximity. Mm. And so, but I think on a big church level, there's without question, unprecedented opportunity um, in low income, hard areas of town. We're talking anyone that could start to celebrate recovery will see tremendous, tremendous life change. Mm -hmm. Anyone that can do anything for these single moms, which is like 80 to 90% Mm -hmm. of the population of
3: these communities, it's
2: just incredible. I think any level of engagement into like education Mm -hmm. (laughs) is just, there's just so much opportunity and the church is so resourced is, um, and I think even so willing, You know, I think people want to be involved in their Mm -hmm. city. And I think um, at that level, it just lies on our resolve to do it.
3: I mean, it's tough. I mean, there are so many nights still where we're getting ready to walk out the door. And I'm like, I'd rather be doing anything else but going. Mm -hmm. Like, it's cold outside. And that's great. It's cold outside. My kids are cranky. This is who knows what's going on there tonight. There's helicopters flying over. Like, just anything of Uh like. But what we're learning in moments where we haven't been consistent is that is such a huge failure on our part. Yeah. Because consistency is so huge. Mm -hmm. And so I think what Josh mentioned way earlier on this conversation was we've had to make some sacrifices Mm -hmm. to be able to show up for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with healthy boundaries, but to be there for people when they need you. Yeah. Because that's really important. And I think this sounds so daunting. Like I remember when we first started talking about this way of discipleship, I was like, this is so hard. Like this Mm -hmm. is so much. But I think you can break it down easy. Like for us, I've posted this on Facebook not that long ago. I'm like one hour a week of taking your family out in your neighborhood and praying. It can start with one hour Mm -hmm. a week. And watch what the Lord does with that one hour of knocking on your neighbor's door. Right. And asking if you can pray for them. Your own
1: neighborhood. Your own yeah, neighborhood. Or here's the, and so I think we're out of time, but I wanted to thank you guys for being here today. Oh, but thank you. You're welcome. I love you guys. Um, but even with this, so you guys have worked in a church for however long. Your, mm-hmm. Shay, your parents are pastors. And Josh, you graduated with a ministry degree, yeah. youth pastor and all this. So people might say to y'all, well, y'all are used to doing this right? Mm. But I think that it takes courage for you to do it as well. But where did you start? So you started in college, you know, ministering to people in college, You then you mm. were in youth group. So I think if someone is scared to learn how to take on their identity as a disciple and realize they need to help other people and disciple them, they can start with their church. Yeah. They can mm. start with someone in a youth group. They can start with another woman who looks like she needs somebody mm. within the church. We need it within yes. like our church yes. communities. And then as you, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable in that space, let the Lord challenge you to something harder, like walking around your neighborhood or ministering to people who you don't know. So we just have to start. Yeah. Literally yeah. you just have to do and it. And I would say yes.
2: if I could encourage you, if you're like, man, I'm a little afraid and I think that's typically the thing, you know, just We start, do it afraid all the time. Yeah, we do it afraid, mm-hmm. but start with caring. Mm-hmm. Just if you've identified some people just care for them mm-hmm. just do something kind and care for them and just get you get the momentum going in your heart to to care to care and then just one day after caring for them say can i pray for you for mm-hmm. something and then go to that and then allow it to flow out of you mm-hmm. the, the lord promises to tell us what to say and just tell them what jesus did for you and mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it can really The Lord takes care of the rest. And it's just the easiest thing, I think, to start caring. Just go to a neighbor and say, these are Christmas cookies. You know, I I talked to a brother yesterday, um, a guy, a business owner, and he was just telling his coworkers, hey, just care for people on the phone. Mm -hmm. Just tell them, hey, our company, we really appreciate you. Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) You know,
1: Well, I know that um, Jesus, when they said, what should, you know, can you sum up? what God wants to do. And he summed it up in two commands, love the Lord, your God and serve him and mm-hmm. love each other, mm-hmm. love your neighbor. Yeah. And so I think that if we're not looking at it as what we've looked at it as in the past, sharing the gospel means coming back with numbers. That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. What it is, is loving people who God created so that they can love him too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it takes practice to learn to love And so we have to practice learning to love people because we're not going to naturally be able to do it. God's going to teach us as we go along, just like the disciples who um, I remember they were trying to heal a demon possessed boy and they couldn't do do it. it. And the people were like, Mm. your disciples couldn't do this. I'm sure it felt great (laughs) to be accused, right? And so Jesus you know, heals them. And they're like, why couldn't we do this? Mm. And Jesus had to teach them. And so it's just a matter of doing and learning. And, and yes. you'll mess up, we're still learning. Right? Yes. We'll all Come hang out up. with us. We'll show you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, seriously, if you're interested in this, you can call our office, Josh. Um, Gardner at our office loves to train people on how to go out and do outreach. Um, Shay may show up with him sometime <laughs> with her family. So if you guys are interested in learning how to share the gospel, learning how to live out your faith and be a disciple, you can call our ministry, Clinton King Ministries. So now we're going to transition, um, to the next part of the podcast with Kevin and Kendall Myers, but first we're going to have a short break. Hey,
0: Overcoming Monday listeners, we here at Clayton King Ministries know that you're probably planning your summer, and we want to be included in those plans. If you are a youth pastor, ministry volunteer, or church leader, we want you and your students to join us at Crossroads Summer Camp in Anderson, South Carolina. We are going into our 24th year of Crossroads. Camp is all about reaching students with the gospel, helping them understand God's word, and giving them the tools to live it out daily. Why should you bring your kids to our camp? Well, let me give you two reasons. One, our staff is the best staff around. We hire and train the most passionate and energetic college students from across the U.S., and they are eager to pour into your students and develop long lasting relationships with them. Two, we see life change happen year in and year out through the Lord using our speakers and worship leaders your students, and even your leaders will walk away changed with a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and His love for them, as well as practical tools for growing in their relationship with the Lord. Please visit us online at Crossroadsummercamp.com to choose between five weeks of powerful worship, life-changing community, and of course, a lot of fun. We
1: hope to see you there. So this podcast is called Dare to Go on Mission, and We've already talked a little bit about how to minister locally, and I wanted to introduce you to a couple of friends of mine, Kevin and Kendall Myers. They actually have done international missions. Now, they came in earlier, and they recorded some spots for me, so we're going to just take some parts of that conversation out for you guys to glean some wisdom from them. Kevin actually works for Compassion International, and then his daughter, Kendall, came with him. We went on a compassion trip to Peru, where we visited many of the villages that Compassion sponsors. And I was so impressed with Kevin and Kendall's heart for missions, as well as how their family first became involved in international missions, that I wanted them to come in and share some of their wisdom and some of their experiences with you guys. First, um, we're going to listen to Kendall recall her first mission trip to the Dominican Republic at the early age of five years old. So listen in.
5: So I was about five years old, and my church took a trip to the Dominican Republic. And my parents decided I was old enough to bring, and they also brought my brother. And they were arguing about if they should bring car seats for us on the plane ride, but they decided not to. And that was good because when we got there, we landed and we got in the back of a pickup truck to go where we were going.
1: <laughs> what would you have done with the car seats, right? <laughs> yeah, nothing.
5: Yeah. And then once we got there, it was intimidating for me at first because I was surrounded by a bunch of people that I didn't know. I didn't speak their language. Uh, it was overwhelming as a five-year-old, but once I started playing with the kids, uh, it was like we had been friends forever.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you... So you were five. Yes, ma'am. And when I rewind to five, there are some memories that I have. Do you have actual memories of this or do you remember it more because your dad's told this story?
5: Um, I can remember a lot of pieces of it because it was my first trip and it's like everything to me. So, but Mm -hmm. also pictures and stories. Yeah. Yep.
1: So how many trips have you been on since then?
5: Um, Around 15 or 20. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And what was your favorite place that you've been to?
5: Um, My favorite place would be Uganda because the people are so kind and welcoming and because my big sister, Anna, lives there and Mm -hmm. she's like my inspiration and she was a former compassion kid.
1: Okay, so explain to me what big sister is.
5: Um, I call her my big sister because I love her like my sister, but uh, we sponsored her when she was in the LDP program which is a program out of compassion. And she was in college, and uh, I really just grew to love her, visiting her every year in Uganda. So it's like my second home Mm -hmm. with her living there. How
1: many times have you gone to see her?
5: Um, Six or seven, and she's come to America twice.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Um, What in your life brings you the most joy?
5: Um, I think the biblical answer would Mm -hmm. say would be to say Jesus right but um this Mexican restaurant called El Chapal in my town (laughs) it's pretty brings me a lot of happiness
1: yeah that's good I think Jacob my son would be with you on that if you were gonna tell a parent and like help them not be anxious about their son or daughter going on a mission trip what would you say to them
5: Um, It's only for a little while. Uh, They'll have access to clean water and food, and they'll be making a difference. You'll be proud of them when they come home.
1: Yeah, and how when they're gone, you know, and their kid's over there, and maybe they don't hear from them every day, how would you encourage a parent with that?
5: Um, Pray for them. Mm -hmm. If you can't talk to them, you can talk to God.
1: Mm -hmm. That's so good you talking with Kendall, I had the opportunity to ask Kevin about the Dominican Republic trip from a father's perspective. So let's listen to what Kevin has to say. Tell me how you ended up getting involved in Compassion.
4: Yeah, so I'm the director of church relations with Compassion in the Southeast, and uh, I'm a hospital administrator by training. And so I guess 11 years ago, uh, Kendall was, gosh, six years old, and uh, my son was eight. And my wife and I decided it was time to go on a mission trip. And, you know, two schools of thought there, one is take your family or one is leave your family. And we wanted um, to take our family. And, you know, thinking about your earlier question, um, we've messed up so much as parents. But I think one thing we got right strategically is we wanted to um, really make it part of our kids' DNA to be missions-minded. And so again, when they were six and eight, we went uh, on a mission trip to, led a mission trip to the Dominican Republic where we worked with Haitians. And um, just very briefly, God God changed my life on that trip, and I hope, uh, hope He did Kendall as well. Um, the poverty we saw was um, incredibly bad. I'd seen it before, but not through the lens of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And so seeing my daughter and son surrounded by Haitian kids who were starving uh, broke my heart. So that happened on that trip. We met a couple of compassion kids that we sponsored, which was uh, just a a really interesting, heartwarming thing. But our missions partner there with my church, uh, the pastor's wife is a physician, and we were doing medical clinics. And as it turns out, she used to be a compassion kid. And so kind of my antenna as a businessman kind of perked up, and, and I thought, man, this really works. And so I came back, and Again, a lot of stuff going on, but really surrendered um, my career to God and and said, I'll do whatever you want, but I feel called into missions and providentially compassion hired me to, to be a church relations director.
1: That's amazing. It was such a pleasure for me to have the privilege of interviewing Kevin and Kendall Myers with Compassion International, and then also Josh and Shay Gardner with Clayton King Ministries. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast on local and international missions, and I hope that you have also found some little secrets for your big breakthrough on how to share the gospel. If you are interested in going on a mission trip, we have opportunities for you at Clayton King Ministries. So if you want to check out our website— You can go to gowithcrossroads.com to find out about all of our trips that we have to offer. And I can't wait until I talk to you on the next episode of Overcoming Monday.
0: This podcast happens because of you. There are 3 ways you can help us reach even more people. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShariKing99. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to CKM, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry at claytonking.com/give. And of course, subscribe. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given given you something to help overcome this Monday.